Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Anchorage, Alaska. And my name is Stephen G. Fullwood. I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project. I am coming to you from Harlem, and it's a wonderful day. I'm Seth Rodney, and I am a senior critic at Hyperallergic, the online arts magazine, and uh, still also its opinions editor. And I'm coming to you from Newburgh, which is where I want to be. Goals. This is, to remind, this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the, or trying to give each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. So I say that because we had a, a pretty contentious, uh, I mean, contentious for us. It's not like it's crossfire or something like that. Um, so, no, no blows uh, were thrown. No blows were thrown. They're speaking to each other. One wasn't wearing red, one wasn't wearing blue. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so I, I want to announce, and I'll, I'll mention it again at the end, um, you know, so as a result of the podcast two weeks ago, not the notes, not the last notes we had, uh, which thank you, Stephen, for the the essay that Chris Hayes, it was actually a, a kind of a fun thing to talk about for me. Mm-hmm, um, cool. The, uh, um, we're starting something new based on an exchange that we, that I had and, and Seth facilitated, um, after our last conversation called, uh, you know, like kind of letters to the editors. So mm-hmm. you know, there's three of us even though I typically introduce myself as the editor of the American age, but, mm-hmm. um, and essentially if you are a listener and one of us has said something, um, I mean, there's some caveats to this. So you, you got to give me a second to kind of lay it out. Um, <laughs> uh, if, if one of us has said something that, um, you have more questions about or take issue with or want to, you know, tell us to mm-hmm. go to hell or, you know, don't know what we're talking about. um, I, we'd like you to email us, um, mm-hmm. whatever your, your, your question or comment is. Um, and that email address is editor at theamericanage.org. So just editor, as you would expect it to be spelled, at theamericanage.org. Uh, if you send that in, we'll get that email and we'll respond in writing. Um, and we'll put it up on the website. So the americanage.org website, um, you know, had, uh, it is, it's up. It's been up. It's you know been up for years. Uh, it was always uh, kind of an aspirational project for me slash us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know the amount of writing that is on uh, the website is just not ever has not yet been what I wanted it to be mm-hmm. uh, for a number of reasons, mostly to do with my own time. Um, but something that I always find time for. Um, because I really do see it as an extension of what we do on the podcast. It's very easy for me, um, you know, to the point of uh, finding time in between, you know, sips of coffee and work to respond to people uh, because I like talking to other humans. And so, mm-hmm. you know, a, 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 an epistle exchange um, mm-hmm. is something that is is very motivating for me to engage in, and I always appreciate the opportunity to refine things that I've said, or correct things that I've said, or qualify things that I've said. Because even no matter how uh, sort of engaged I might get in a conversation, speaking personally, I I, I know this is uh, generally true of Seth, and I suspect this is true of Stephen as well. Um, you know, any position I take 
is always meant to be provisional based on additional thinking mm. and evidence because, mm-hmm. you know, there's all kinds of shit I don't know, like mm. almost everything. So mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, meaning like almost everything I don't know. So the sliver, the sliver of what I know is, is very narrow. So, um, so anyway, this is an extension of that. I don't want to go on too long about it, but it, you know, send an email in. So here's the thing that's the, the qualification. Um, if your question is specifically for Seth, um, you know, as you hear every week in the podcast, Seth's job is writing a lot. Um, and so, uh, it is less likely, uh, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but it is less, it's far less likely that you will get, uh, a response from him because he literally just does not have the time, uh, to write a response. So the, it is most likely that you would get a response from me because I can build my days in that way. And I know Stephen, you expressed an interest in, in doing the same. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, basically in, in descending order of likelihood, if your question is directed at me or it's general and I can answer it, I'll be able to do that. It next up would be Stephen. But if you really have a burning question for Seth, which I understand, um, it's it's just less likely that we'll be able to to take that message and and put a response together. Mm-hmm. So the deal is this though: if you send it in, it goes up on the website. Now, if you want it to be anonymized, we're happy to do that, and no need to include your name if you don't want to include your name. Um, and we would only do light edits, you know, basically for uh, just basically, you know, if there's a grammar issue, I don't really care. More just to mm-hmm. impede comprehend if it impedes comprehension. I care. I'm sorry. I care. Sorry. Okay, so I'm saying I don't I don't care <laughs> for the for the reception of the email. Like I don't you know I don't want people to feel like they have to like I'm I'm grading their, oh, their submissions. Yeah, 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 no, you know, no, it's no, just no. not. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I very happily don't have to grade papers anymore. So yeah, no, no. If, if, what I'm saying is that we will we will lightly edit your submission for grammar, and in particular if it impedes comprehension, right. Um, the additional piece is that if you want the last word, so if you write something in and then we we uh, register a response and, mm-hmm. and uh, that will be sent to you, if you would like to respond to to our response, we'll give you the last word on the issue, so you can have the space to you know to put it up. So you know, of course, there are going to be all kinds of other uh, guidelines and provisos that I have not enumerated here, you can't write us, you know, 4,000 words and expect, <laughs> I mean, it's just not, you know, not that I don't want to read it. It's just, you know, there's a time issue. So mm-hmm. just kind of think about it like an email, like, mm-hmm. you know, when you open an email, you go like, oh, okay, that's an email I can read. And you're like, holy shit, I don't have time to read this right now. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know when I can get this. So don't fall into the holy shit. I don't have time to read this category with the email. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we won't do this and we will do the same with the response. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you can just kind of rely on that. Uh, Steven, Steph, anything you can think to add to what I said? No, I think you've covered it and that, you know, as issues arise, if they arise, then we'll address them. And, and I do want to yeah. say to, to listeners that even though I am as busy as Travis has uh, described, that I really will make an effort to respond to anyone who does write me with a specific question. Um, the, the thing is, my sort of workflow um, this particular month is difficult just because I have two catalog essays that are due at the beginning of November, plus the writing that I'm already doing for hypoallergic. So it's just this this particular month I'm I'm kind of kind of uh, slammed. 
but mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. things should free up for me in November and December. So the and this will kind of then lead us into our conversation. So what start what this idea came to us uh, based on an exchange that I had with a good friend of of Saf's. I'm not going to use his last name just because I didn't ask his permission first, but Glenn. So um, Glenn uh, very cordially uh, asked Seth, like, you know, uh, what the fuck was Travis talking about with expertise <laughs> and and vaccines? So I was, mm-hmm. he was much nicer about it than than I than I just characterized, but mm-hmm. um, and 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 more nuanced about it too. You know, I just I'm I'm you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just having some fun with it. So mm-hmm. uh, Seth forwarded this on to me. This is the second or third time something like this has happened in the history of the podcast. And as has happened before, I wrote a, a pretty long response. You know, I don't know, maybe seven, 800 words, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and, you know, kind of laying out what my actual position on expertise is mm-hmm. and um, and kind of explaining um why I get as worked up about the issue as I do. And I asked Glenn if we could, if I could publish that exchange and offer to give him the last word. And he said he didn't want the last word, but he did have a couple of uh, worthwhile responses that I'm, I'm going to include. Um, cool. So, and we thought, you know, that, you know, I don't know that any of you guys will, you know, there's a couple thousand of you. Uh, I don't know that any of you will take us up on this, but I hope you do because yeah, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very happy to engage in that way because there are just things. I mean, just like speech can do things that writing can't do. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I fucked up. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. That's not what I was trying to say. You can do that when you're talking to someone. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, that's not. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I'm really sorry. You can't do that, you know, like on Twitter and Facebook and Twitter and write. Like you can't writing cannot. Be, I'm sorry, Stephen. You're about to. No, just think about what you said. Um, tone, intention, yeah, humor, satire. Yeah. There are whole uh, things that can be lost because of the way that we read things or how we write things. There's just mm-hmm. a lot to be missed when you speak with someone. There's just so much more. Um, I think comprehension because there bi- there's body language, there is sound, there is. I don't know about that. You know, emphasis, and so. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that they, I love both forms, but I I'm definitely yeah. try to be clearer in my writing when I can, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just different. Like I can, you know, so I can qualify things and make asides and have a moment to put a sentence together in a way that, you know, you don't necessarily in conversation. So mm-hmm. uh, I hope you take us up on it. Um, and, um, suggest topics if you like you know it's 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 really kind of a way to to engage with more mm-hmm. because we really do appreciate we really do appreciate uh people's time so yeah um a- anything that you guys want to add to that before we we kind of move back into expertise no i don't think so not that's kind of confident mm-hmm. yeah so i i know that Steph and i could probably go back and forth a little bit more on it but we're going to try and push the conversation in a slightly different direction mm-hmm. um uh, coming out of the expertise thing towards the end of our conversation, you know, I had in a, really, it was meant to be a challenge. Um, you know, who do you listen to mm-hmm. that? Um, and not, I don't mean like you love or you champion or you, you go to their concert or something like that, you know, but who do you listen to in politics and in, uh, politically, intellectually, who do you take seriously Mm-hmm. Um, that would your social group 
would look at you askance and would give you a double take if you, um, I don't just mean if you admitted it like, you know, quietly over a glass of wine in that like, oh my God, you do that too kind of way. Because of course, if you're with someone intimate, you get the space to do that. But I suspect um, that the that progressives, liberals, people who, with whom I identify with have become a much as a lot of people, as a group of people, have become much meaner and less tolerant than I have known them to be in my history of affiliation with that group. Um, And so, you know, this was kind of an area where I wanted to push on this. I mean, I've watched people be ostracized. Uh, Glenn Greenwald, for example, is an example. I mean, this is the guy that, you know, sort of single-handedly brought forward the Snowden Papers and revealed the extent of the surveillance state. Um, and has has been on the little guy side of nearly every. Now he may be a dick. I don't know him, right? Mm-hmm. But that's neither that's neither here nor there. You know like, what what major cultural mover, male male or female, isn't a dick? Like I just you you can Brian, find them, Brian Stevenson, but, but uh, I'm, Brian Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, it's not a dick. So I, Oh, okay. So, no, you just asked fine. a question, so I'm just answering it. It's cool. No, no, I, I said, but no, 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 fair enough. I'm not saying you can't find an example. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that is not the norm. Yeah. It takes a tremendous amount of, like, aggressive, assertive, you know, kind of taking the kneecaps out approach to your job to reach that level in a lot of cases. Not in all. But in a lot of cases, it's just not disqualifying as far as I'm concerned. So Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, these are people who have been banished. They are just, they, they, are, they are cast out into the wilderness, mm-hmm. um, and, which is, from, from my mind, I think is, is absolutely ridiculous. It's, just, it's, it's an indefensible position if you are committed to ideas and principles. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Jeffrey Tubin is fucking back on CNN, and that dude spanked it on a Zoom call, like with a so, with, his like New Yorker, telling, with his New Yorker colleagues. Yeah. Yes, yes, but but, yes, and, so, and, but more than so that, Jeffrey Tubin gets to come back but, in. But, but 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 wait, wait. But Glenn Greenwald and Matt Taibbi are out. Wait, wait, wait. But wait, more than that, Jeffrey Tubin apparently seduced the daughter of a colleague of his, and I think she was. No, she may not have been a teenager at the time, but she was like, you know. In her early twenties, perhaps. Um, uh, I mean, you know, you do something like that. How do you like? I don't understand how you come back. I don't know. I don't understand how you. Well, get in you the door. do apparently. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Chris, I mean, Chris Cuomo. Like, I mean, the, yeah. I, I mean, it, 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 look. I, I just we don't have to. We don't have to go in that direction of it. So, mm-hmm. my question to both of you mm-hmm. is. Who do, and I don't want it like a Justin Amash like character like he like you don't from my point of view it, it's disqualifying to pick qualif- to pick people who are peripherally accepted by the in group so mm. you, anyone like well you know I really can't stand Mitt Romney but he did vote to impeach Trump so we can he's a little bit more human so like these are peripheral associations I mean who is someone that you that you not like necessarily but that you engage with and you take seriously and uh, take seriously people would look at you and go like <laughs> um 
Yeah, I don't mean take. So I don't mean agree with. Right? You don't have to agree with someone yeah. to take them seriously. Well, I, so for example, I take, and I think we talked about him on the podcast. Maybe we haven't, but I've definitely written about him. Is Stanley Crouch, who recently passed away, Ooh, he was our jazz yeah. critic. Oh. Um, for those who he was who, not who a nice guy, not a nice guy at all. And so he's an American <laughs> poet, music, and cultural critic, a syndicated columnist, novelist, and mm-hmm. biographer. Mm-hmm. And I recall reading some of his work in the Village Voice when I was living in Toledo at the mm-hmm. time, which, which is the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And so my friends would send me stuff where they'd say, look at your boy now. And so I remember running across a book called Notes of a Hanging Judge. And Notes of a Hanging Judge was in a compilation of his essays and, and stuff that he had done over the years. Take him seriously, yes, because I thought he was a good writer. But I, f- I felt my friend had the best response to him. She goes, you know, I don't know why you read him. She goes, it's like he has the ingredients for a pie and he comes out with the cake every time. And my thing was, <laughs> <laughs> he called um, Toni Morrison's book, Beloved, a novel, um, uh, a Holocaust novel in blackface. Wow. And it's an eviscerating look mm-hmm. at Beloved, but it's wow. also just tone deaf. Like it, like I think he, over the years, I've gotten a sense that he just wanted to hurt her. You know, I never got that his mm. any of his criticism really landed with me, but I was interested. I'm interested in that kind of figure, like a Mar- Armand mm. White. He's yet another person that's over to the side in terms of entertainment and criticism. I don't think he likes anything, but he is a curmudgeon for sure. Mm. Um, but there are times when he's both of these men can be insightful in their vision. Mm. But then there are moments where, like I said, I mean, I've only had a couple of times where people were like, you listen to him, you know? Um, mm. But I try, initially I was going to say Mark Fisher, um, the English um, theorist who hung himself in 2017, and his idea of um, capitalist realism. Because as I share the ideas mm. of Mark with people, people are like, I don't know what you mean. You know, they, mm. the idea is Zizek, is it Zizek? Zizek? Zizek, Zizek. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another guy, there's this quote attributed to them that Mark talks about, which is people can imagine it into the world rather than into capitalism. And it's the idea that there's no other system on earth mm. <laughs> that would work. And so mm. Mark is criticizing capitalism throughout and I'll read something to friends and they're like, eh, you know, it doesn't, a couple of my friends are interested, but for me, even my own criticism of Mark Fisher is the idea that, we're, we're on this path and there's no deviation. I mean, even he says, of course, there's a way if you're able to identify something or different ways to approach changing it and mm. all of that. So, so can you, but these aren't two people. Can you quickly, can you quickly gloss the Mark Fisher argument that you think is, is sort of disqualifying? I assume something, the totalizing nature of, of capitalism and, and the inability to, mm. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to preface it. So please, just please go ahead and, and, Let's see. and gloss so the glossing part of it, I guess, is the idea um, that there's no way to pull apart capitalism and show it for what it is in the way that it, 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 it seems to inhabit everything that we do or, or and inform everything we do. Say, for example, punk, right? The punk movement. So in one of the interviews I read with him, he said that there was this really big thing in um, London recently, I think it's 2010s, where there were harsher penalties for people who were squatting Hmm. rather Mm -hmm. than, and and he said no one really paid attention to this. And he was like, well, and he brought me to the mindset where 
if you have people who don't have to work a nine to five all the time, maybe their creativity would look different and it would have a, you know, a more incisive and in some cases really piercing look at the system itself because you were marginalized mm-hmm. by it. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I can't think of a, I can't think of a cultural movement right now that's into that. I think that that's a gloss. And I think that there are other ways that people are kind of demonstrating a sensibility around the criticism, right? That aren't always online, or if they are online, they just really bright people and they're actually doing the very thing that he says would be impossible to do under capitalism. Do you know what I mean? So does that mm. make sense in a way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, for sure. So, but but again, it's only the Stanley Crouch that people look at me with a hairy eyeball. Not really even a hairy eyeball, they're just like, I don't like him. <laughs> and I go, if you don't, it doesn't matter whether you like him or not. You know, read them. I mean, 90% of the shit he writes, I just go, it's well-written, but it's also mean-spirited. And at times it doesn't illuminate what he's saying the way he thinks it does. And I think he got off yeah. on being a um, being on the, um, the margins in a way. He got a MacArthur. He got some other stuff. And the whole idea was, for some people, was that here's a black man talking about black people and white people rewarding him for his, oh, we can't say it, but he can say it kind of thing. So there was that rumbling around. Mm-hmm. And last thing about him was that he would critique and just trash novelists and so forth. And one time he writes a novel, Dale Peck, another kind of mean-spirited kind of guy, takes apart his novel. And so one day Stanley Crouch happens upon Dale Peck at a restaurant and says, are you Dale Peck? And he slaps the living shit out of him. Are you was, serious? Yes. And I remember it was a slap heart around the literary world, not the world, but the literary world. Because I think that day, yeah. a couple people called me and said, you, you know what your boy did? I was like, I heard, yeah. <laughs> shit. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, shit. so you, are, your house is such a, like, um, like, here you are, this guy, you're supposed to be so fierce, you're supposed to say the things that other people aren't supposed to say, but you can't take criticism? Mm. I, I don't even know what happened after that, because I never read... That if there was a lawsuit, which I mean, I'm sure there was or something, somebody paid somebody. But that was, that slap was pretty revealing to me. I would love to do a film about it where, where the person, he was just mm. about to slap him, stop, and then kind of break it down. And, you know, <laughs> what led up to that moment? Mm. What led up to that moment, but also yeah. I would try to like, you know, cir- be circular about it. It's like, and Dale Peck was ready to be slapped, you know, but anyhow, anyhow. So it's really someone like Stanley Crouch that people give me the, mm, I don't like him. So that I don't, reminds, get, um, I don't get kept out of the black club, so I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic answer. I, um, I, it did help me add something to it that I didn't really think about mm-hmm. uh, before, which is part of part of a necessary ingredient in this is that this person has to come to the attention of the crowd. Yes. Uh, okay. If the, if the person does not come to the attention of the crowd, and I and I and in my in my response to Glenn, you know, I I characterized elites as kind of an intertwined obverse of populists, mm. meaning that they're not necessarily you know the elites in in sort of in our current cultural moment are not necessarily actual elites. They are the people who identify with elite productions and elite ideas, and oh, okay, okay, and and identify with those as the obverse of populism. And so, they're a crowd, though they're 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 a Greek chorus. I mean, we, we mm. are we are cur- currently we are being uh, managed by the Greek chorus, 
Like the, mm. there, there are no heroes on the stage right now. It's all just, it's all just functionaries responding mm. to the Greek chorus. And, and so, and so in your examples, which are both great examples, they, they definitely are counter examples to what I would just suggested because it's missing, missing a necessary ingredient, which I didn't consider, which is that these people don't like the crowd, the elite crowd, the Twitter crowd, the cool kids and all this, you know, all the, they, they don't care about these people. They don't notice these people. They're not on their radar. Mm. Um, and so when these people are on, when they come to the attention of, of this crowd, then that's when the real threat and danger of being ostracized, you know, sort of appears on the stage. But here's the thing. I want to add one last thing just about my own character. Please, please do. Please do. Yeah. My own character, I don't want to be in a crowd, right? So I do have a group of folks that I do converse with and we share some of the same ideas. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there, there's queer theory and there are black nationalists and there are different aspects of my, 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 what do you call it? My um, social identity, people I have no connection with in terms of the work that they're advocating or how they're advocating for it. Mm -hmm. I'm a male, but I'm Mm -hmm. not super masculine. I am a queer man, but I'm not trying to be with any social organization that is their one focus is equality, you know, marriage equality. I'm not hanging out with people of African descent who happen to be homophobic, nationalist, or just not, or using, using race and masculinity and straightness, sometimes that, that terrible trilogy at times, to oppress other people. So mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm in the, not in the margins, because I consider myself a central person in the sense that, why am I letting them define this? Um, <laughs> I'm thinking more about what would push me out even of that circle. And I can't really, mm-hmm. I mean, when you mentioned it earlier, I was like, well, who? Like, who would, I mean... Begin to argue with a friend. I'm with people who think. You know, they think about stuff and they're compassionate people. So they're willing to listen to something that doesn't jibe with their belief about something. It's that what you said. From yeah. it's an ellipsis. It's not a period on their on their politic. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah. 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 I appreciate that. That makes, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Thanks. I, I, if I were to venture to venture someone uh, who's, I wouldn't even say. Um, I don't know if take seriously is quite mm. the right way to describe my relationship with the people who are coming to mind. But um, Dave Chappelle and mm-hmm. um, uh, what's his name? Patrice. Uh, Dave Chappelle's a good one. Patrice. Um, uh, Patrice O'Neill. Patrice O'Neill. If mm-hmm. I were to bring them up in conversations in certain, in my, in my social circle, in certain parts, certain aspects, certain parts of it, I think most maybe mm-hmm. in the art scene. Um, um, uh, among the artists and curators I know, I think they would frown on me liking them because what they would say is, oh, ah. they would say, oh but that, Dave Chappelle is homophobic or and, um, and transphobic uh, Patrice, and blah blah blah, mm-hmm. right? And Patrice is just a mis- is misogynist, and I think that there are aspects to things that they've said. I think actually the more convincing, um, uh characterization mm. is that um, Patrice O'Neill is miso- was misogynist. He's dead now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think there, there are definitely aspects to his act that where I, where I felt that or read that, but I still think he was insightful. I think he was in like that piece that we talked about years ago where he picks out the white woman in the audience and she's, and he goes off for about like straight 10 minutes about mm-hmm. how she looks expensive. And you can tell she's expensive because there's a, there's a correlation essentially between how she looks and how much time people spend looking for her if she went missing. And he, yeah, I remember. Right, we, never, right, we watched that. We did this yeah, yeah, uh, on the podcast. Yeah, we watched that bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh-huh. And so he goes on and on, and then he, you know, he works the audience more, and he says to a black woman in the audience, like, like, look, 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 look at her. Like, you know, like you know, I would look for you if you went missing, but but look at her. Like, no, like, and look, like nobody's gonna go looking for you, sister, except me. Like, it's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And and he took that further, and he talked about um, Joran Vandersloop. And who the woman he the woman he killed in uh, in Aruba, I think it was in somewhere in the oh, Caribbean, yes. mm-hmm. right? And he's like, mm-hmm. "Do you remember that woman's name?" And people are like Nellie Holloway, Nellie Holloway, and he's like, like, like it was a game show, right? Like, like everybody knew. And he said, "You know, mm-hmm. he killed someone else before that, right? South American woman. Anybody know her name? Uh, yeah, that's right. And nobody, could, you know, nobody remembered. It was um, Stephanie Ramirez Flores. That, okay, that." For me, is super insightful, and so mm-hmm. I know. That for me, I, I, it's it's it is to an extent a, a hill I'm willing to die on. Like I would bring him up in conversation and say, and kind of you know prepare myself for the blowback. I would say actually, mm-hmm. yeah, there was there was certainly aspects to his act that were misogynist, but he was super insightful. Um, but mm-hmm. but that and Dave Chappelle similarly because some of the things mm-hmm. he said about. Um, people in the trans community not liking him and him, the way he's responded to them has made him no more liked by them um, or maybe even hated. Um, mm. st- I still find him to be of among the cultural voices who give us, and here's where I think it gets, he gets into politics. Like he talks about relations of power. He talks about mm-hmm. how we mm-hmm, relate to each mm-hmm. other, the kinds of assumptions we sure. make, the yeah. tacit expectations and assumptions, and he's able to like call those things out. This is actually what makes him uh, the kind of person who I feel really deserved the Mark Twain Prize. He mm-hmm. is in, 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 a very, in a very deep and accessible, and yet accessible way. He's a cultural critic, right? He's yeah. telling us about ourselves. Yes. But I know that if I were to bring that up in uh, a lot of the uh, art circles I run in, that people would give me shit for it, for sure. Well, I think that's part of what makes those kinds of people useful. Mm-hmm. And so what I saw was when you were describing both Patrice and um, and Dave was that they have a big rock on their backs. They're trying to tell jokes, but they have a, mm-hmm. ba- a big rock on their back. And mm-hmm. because of the environment that they're in, the mm-hmm. rock is heavier than maybe it would be maybe in the 90s, where there mm-hmm. were a lot of was a lot more space mm-hmm. for a certain kind of joke. But mm-hmm. I, I think those people are, I think those kinds of, I don't agree, like you, I don't agree with everything anybody says. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. but the thing is, if I read articles about this before, and I think you have too, Travis, and possibly you, um, Seth, uh, the death of satire or the death of, like, mm-hmm. is the person racist that's telling the joke or are they trying to mm-hmm. expose racism? And I mm-hmm. think that the lack of, interest in in hearing but what the differences are or just mm. having that sensibility gets on my nerves because there mm. are some jokes that are just hilarious and I know that they're not misogynistic. 
right. know that. Right. You know, right. but I feel like these are easy targets, comedians. Sure. And they have the hardest job because they have to make us laugh and they have to stay on point. And they've got, and I just love the, the ones that are coloring in outside of the lines and they're just trying to bring about something that, you know, we could tell the truth with a comedian to some degree. Obviously, who's truth? But there's something there that it's not supposed to make you um, comfortable. Good. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly Good. right. It's, it's, yeah. it's exactly Which, right. So, so yeah, yeah. I, uh, um, I obviously same page with all of the sort of the shrinking horizon of what of what comedians are able to do, or the size of the rock, as you put it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Seth, you know, I know that you, or at least you used to think he was funny. Would you bring up Louis C.K. in your social circle? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, mm-hmm. I, I have I have less allegiance to him I mean, because this, because. This, but this is an edgier person to. I mean, true. Is it what he did though versus what he's saying though? Right. It's what he did, and I think he wasn't canceled for what he says. Right. Exactly. So, right. So I'm also I'm also going to say it's because of his color. There, 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 there is space in elite social circles to give to give more latitude to non-white males that step out of line. I mean, that's it, it's it's mm. abundantly clear in in the way that these these cycles move. Okay, so and that's so, fine. So, Travis, I'm, I, Travis, I'm not I'm not saying no, no, you know, no. I'm not making a persecution. No, 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 no. Like that. I'm just saying. No, Travis, Mike, I, just, I, I love that you're explaining, but I was like, no, just think what you're doing. We got we got this. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, just just give us a practical example. So, like, so black man stepped out of line. He didn't, he wasn't treated as harshly. Uh, well, I think in my in my estimation of what I see people saying on social media, and I don't have the the exact pulse, mm-hmm. but I think that Dave Chappelle has been treated less harshly than Louis C.K. Um, and and okay, so maybe you know maybe the judgment is well, you know Louis C.K. did this you know awful thing with these comedians or whatever. Um, and, you know, I do. I have a. I have a counterexample to my own point, mm-hmm. actually. Um, <laughs> I love which that. Would be, well, which would be Aziz Ansari. Um, oh yeah, who, he was canceled, so, dude. Yeah. So, so Aziz Ansari might be a counterexample to my point. So I might mm-hmm. be wrong. I mean, it, it. It's. I mean, although I mean, he he claims. I was curious about it because mm-hmm. um, I haven't quite made it through the the third season of Master of None, but mm-hmm. it's it's really good, mm-hmm. and it, you know, kind of goes in a, an entirely different direction. But he he directed uh, that. Uh, I don't know if he directed all the episodes in that season, but he was involved. And certainly, it was a creative project for him, mm-hmm. and he claims that it was, of course, his choice. I don't know that I believe that, but okay. but it's not as if he can't work, right? I mean, he maybe he can't be the face on Master of None, mm-hmm. which is itself mm. its own indictment of of this statement yes. and a counterexample to what I first said. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but but he so I might retract actually my point. I, I don't know that that's actually true because. Um, I, I would I, I would say I, I'm struggling here because I think cocktail situation. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm hanging mm-hmm. out with a bunch of artists and curators, and someone brings up Louis C.K. I'm struggling to think. Like principally, I think I would want to say actually what he did wasn't that bad because uh, honestly, it it actually wasn't. Like, I agree. 
Like he was in a hotel room. Like it's ridiculous. It is creepy. It is. It is. Yeah, it's dumb. totally inept and feckless right. and all this. Right. Stuff. All yeah. of those things. But it's not like he assaulted anyone. It's not like he forced the women to stay and watch. Like, I I know why you're hesitant here, but you weren't one of those women. And mm-hmm. I continue to believe that I can't mm-hmm. grade. It's hard to grade R. Kelly. <laughs> Do you know I me? Mean? It's hard to grade these things. Yes, this person did this, so less should be done to this person because they didn't do something as egregious as this. But it wasn't sexual. Bit, but it wasn't a sexual assault, Stephen, was it? It wasn't a sexual assault. Right. And we in past past um, conversations we've had here, uh-huh. I, I struggled to. This, it didn't happen to me. Right. Whether it was a sexual assault or this. Right. Man who just wants to always masturbate in front of people, right? right. And he admits this, right? right? Mm-hmm. And I still think that Louis C.K. is, actually, he is performing. He's just yeah, not he as high yeah. as he's he been is. before. Yeah. So when I think of people who are canceled, I don't see them no more. I don't hear from them. Mm. Do you know? Or they, you know, so I don't know, Seth. I don't, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just like, I don't know how to evaluate a crime that hasn't happened to me personally. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. So can, that's that's, that's what we're saying. I, I, those are, you know, I agree with that. So I do have a question, though, because it's, it, it's been enough months now that I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, did these, I know the, these women obviously uh, explain what happened. Yeah. But if I remember correctly, there was some space between, and, and you got to let me lay this out because I'm not saying, you know, like they didn't jump up. Emo- so my point is that, I try, so, you know, my whole thing with, you know, the Me Too movement and all the rest of that is, I, I mean, do I think that there are predators in, in power throughout the United States and the world that take advantage of that power? And do I think they should be prosecuted? And yeah, of course, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That, that's mm-hmm. low, that's low hanging. There's, that's very low hanging fruit. Right. But here's the other thing I believe. I, I think women are pretty fierce and fully capable of saying, get the fuck out of here with that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Right. In a lot of, in a lot of instances, and when they don't, that's kind of a problem that they as individuals should be addressing in their lives and is not something that I need to, like, I need to jump on the, like, burn the witch party to go to go find that male who overstepped his bounds. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm much more, this is my, you know, it, it, just as an aside, I really don't like the way that the Me Too movement and the way that as a culture we have attempted to empower women by infantilizing and denigrating males. <sighs> so or women a, a, or a women great, themselves. We're infantilizing women example. as well. Exactly. I'll give you I'll give I'll give you a very specific culture. It's very common in in movies and TV shows that the way that they represent a powerful woman is by showing her next to fully inept men. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I, this 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 is this is the least compelling way to convey that women are as smart, as intelligent, as capable, and as strong as men are, which they are. To be clear, uh, maybe not in an arm wrestling contest, but in all the things that matter in symbolic culture, men mm-hmm. are either as equipped or better equipped than men. But a great example of a movie that doesn't do that is Disney's Moana. So in Moana, I, I don't know whether you guys have seen this or not, but in mm. this in this in this in this movie, Moana, she her 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 kind of um, kind of antagonist slash sort of ally, 
this character Moana, who has his own tragic flaws, mm-hmm. is her equal. He's not just some like feckless buffoon that she has to mother and take care of. Right. Like like he's a child. He's actually her equal. These are equal characters that are contesting over something quite consequential for their culture. Mm-hmm. So Disney manages to do something that the Me Too movement, I think, is is leaving behind, which is that the point is to empower women, not to protect women. There's a difference. Mm. I mean, there's there's a very there's a very potent difference between the two. So I'm sorry. So, so I just want to point out that we are, the podcast kind of has a has a lower ceiling today. Um, we kind of got to get going. And, Time. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes. Um, Thank you I, for joining I, us. Goodbye. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I want to end, I want to end on a question that I think we can pick up next time, which is, um, and, and no, no, no. Steven gets to ask the question. You don't get to ask. It. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. You have to leave. <laughs> the question is, <laughs> Girl, I'm sorry. Sam. Um, it was too easy. To what extent does, to what extent, um, do we um how how do we understand justice um mm. with regard to a person giving a person's recognizing a person's agency mm-hmm. in that moment when they are being exposed to something they don't like like how much do we how much emphasis do we put on their agency versus um how much do we sort of put on the person who's seen as the predator. Like, is there a kind of balance that we that we strike in order to understand what was what it, what needs to be just in that situation? Like, if the woman in that in in this situation with Louis, Louis C.K. had like stood up and said, "You're a fucking asshole. I'm out of here. You gotta you gotta put that away and stop being a ridiculous man." Like, would what what kind of story would we have told if that had been the case? Um. Um. I guess what I'm asking is, in those situations, how much emphasis are we putting on the person standing up for themselves? And is it a kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Is there a kind of um, um, proportional um, um, de-emphasis of how predatory the other person is? So are they, you, mm. you see what I'm saying? Like, my question mm, is- like, I do, yeah, yeah. That, like, how much, how much emphasis are we putting on one versus the other? And are they, is it like, do we, in, if we, if we make this person a monster, then do we have to conversely make that person like a helpless victim? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I know we have to go and cause I'm, I'm going to say something I want, I would really like Stephen to have the last word mm. is, you know, if we think of culture, symbolic culture, as kind of the symbolic mother and father of what kind of rears us into our consciousness as adults, mm. I would want that culture to produce a woman that does exactly what you just said and not a culture that feels like it needs to send in a bunch of other men and women to kick the shit out of the guy that did that. Like, that, that is, that's, that's my version of, of a healthy culture, is right. it's, it's empowering women to do that right. and not grab the pitchforks like that's right. not you know right. that's disempowering i think it's right. infantilizing i'm sorry but please no you said yeah so my answer is watch a show called kevin can fuck himself then you'll kind of get a sense of so just a very quick setup is that it's a show within a show it's set up as a comedy mm-hmm. where you have um uh, a husband who is a bit slovenly still infantile you know is playing games or whatnot and his wife is a serious person 
when it's on him in his perspective, it's the comedy. When it's on her, it's a drama. Oh, wow. It mm. changes tone and everything. And, and it answers some of those questions around agency that you guys are putting forth. Great. And then I'll, Great. I'll have other examples, but we can pick it up at another time. Okay, so let's watch, yeah, let's watch um, Kevin Can Fuck Himself? Kevin Can Fuck Himself. It okay, that's our, thing, yes. that's our homework. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's good. All right. Good people. Okay. Later. Bye-bye. Great conversation. Thanks, guys. Bye.